is Relationship, a podcast presenting a gay look at traditional relationships and values. With your hosts, the Cretellis. I'm Marco. And I'm Tony. It was the night before Thanksgiving. And all through the house. Well, and all through the kitchen. Well, if you're just going to change the words, go ahead and take it Not a turkey was goblin. Not... And nor was it bitchin'. <laughs> that definitely doesn't rhyme. Kitchen and bitchin' definitely Oh, rhymes. well, goblin. Well, pay attention. <laughs> I said, "'Twas the day before Thanksgiving and all through the kitchen. Not a turkey was goblin and one wasn't bitchin'. <laughs> it's because you chopped its head off. Correct. <laughs> gobble, gobble. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Happy day before Thanksgiving. Happy Woo Woo Wednesday. How are you? I am doing pretty good. Thanksgiving's one of my favorite holidays. Me too. And we have a pretty special Thanksgiving going on. We do. We do indeed. This evening, my little sister will be joining us. That's the sound of her plane landing. You're going to have to work on that. I will. Um, I'm very excited about that. And then we get to spend Thanksgiving with Erica and her family. Which I'm really looking forward to as well. It's a whole new adventure. As if it could not have gotten better. Just adding Stevie to the mix made it even more fun. For shizzle. Mm -hmm. What are you thankful for this year? Your health. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yes. Very much so. Good. Yeah. What about you? Um, What am I thankful for this year? I can't quite say my health yet because... Not quite there yet, Mm. but I do appreciate the sentiment because I think it is lovely. I think that the answers and everything that we're getting is super helpful. What am I thankful for? I think perspective. Okay. Say more. Yeah, I think that this has just been my year of like paying attention and understanding and gaining, like gaining understanding and knowing and feeling informed and, um, and, I, and I've just been very thankful for that because, you know, knowledge is power. Yes, indeed. The more you know, star going across the sky. <laughs> and I think that that has just been kind of like my theme for the year is just figuring shit out and knowing it and being good in it. And, and I really like that about it. Hmm. So I'm happy. Good. Yeah, I'm very happy about that. That is good. Yeah, it's been a rough 2019. I'm not going to even pretend about it. It sure has. It's been stupid. <laughs> Um, but I feel more informed. I feel a lot more ready to like kick its ass, even though it's getting ready to come to an end. (laughs) (laughs) 2019, not like, Hey, Hey, (laughs) it doesn't matter when it gets done as long as it gets done. Right. (laughs) Sure. I don't know. What say you, we hop into our hashtag gay relationship goals for the week. I'm ready. All right. I brought my spring shoes. As a reminder, every week, Tony and I will pick a wonderful queer couple and highlight them as our hashtag gay relationship goals. Our hope is to bring these relationships to the forefront and give a sense of positivity and perspective to the gay relationship narrative. If you and your partner are interested in becoming our hashtag gay relationship goals, or if there is a queer relationship that you admire and would like to bring to our attention, please reach out to us. Tag us on some of your adorable couples photos on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Our handle is at pod relationship. Tony and I will take a look at these photos and posts and could potentially highlight you and your partner on an episode of the podcast. So this week we are highlighting someone that I've actually been following for a really long time. I followed him back when he was actually a resident 
of New York City. And then I followed him through his journey of moving to Chicago. Also known as stalking. Uh, not stalking, just following <laughs> him. I was really impressed with him because he's like a Barry's boot camp. Um, I don't know, which, like, what's the word I'm looking for? He's like a Barry's boot camp trainer. Okay. Um, and I was just very impressed with his uh, like workout routines and like his confidence and like the things that he was doing. He, you know, there are so many like shirtless white gays on Instagram. You sure are. And he did a really good job of just being like healthy and like showing you his workouts and like his motivation and the things that he was doing. I was just very impressed with it. So then when he moved to Chicago, um, he moved to Chicago as a single man, but then he fell in love. And of course, right now I'm talking about Carson Twitchell, Twitchell, Twitchell. Um, I just like his last name a lot, but he, <laughs> um, you can follow him on Instagram. He is at Carson Twitchell, T-W-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. Uh, and he's just absolutely amazing. Like I said, he is a Barry's boot camp fitness trainer. Um, he is certified in all the letters, um, <laughs> NASM, CPT, AFAA, whatever that means. BDSM, LMNOP. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Um, but he's like amazing. And so uh, later I saw that he fell in love um, and it's with a guy named Ryan and they both live in Chicago now. And you can follow Ryan. He is at Mr. 72. That's M-R-S-E-V-E-N-T-Y-T-W-O. Um, and they're adorable together, and they even have a joint. This is how cute they are. They have a cute little Instagram page that is their joint page for their relationship, and they are at Carson Carson Dry, which is Cars and Rye. <laughs> um, that's C A R S A N D R Y, which is amazing. Um, I don't know. I just like them a lot. I know that there is quite a few, you know, shirtless, buff, daddy, white boy pictures and things like that that's on there. So uh, it's kind of not the typical people that we like to highlight. Definitely not the ones um, I like to highlight. Sure, but I there's something about Carson that I've just always been a fan of in terms of just how, I don't know, he just seems like such a happy person. I can see the adorable honesty. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there's just something so cute. And so when I found out that he like fell in love, I was like, just, I, I don't even know the man, but I just like... Cheered for my him. My heart, yeah, mm-hmm. I was just like, my heart just was like very excited for him. And I just feel... I don't know, I just feel so happy for him and I'm just uh, thankful that, you know, he gets to be happy and he found the love of his life, you know? Mm. Um, there's this adorable post that was on February 14th, so ta-da, it's Valentine's Day. Mm. And it says, my funny Valentine at Mr. 72. I know that Valentine's Day is surrounded by a lot of cliche BS, but cliches are born of both commonality and reality. And my reality is that I have found my person and his name is Ryan Lesseur. Okay, so that's his last name. Hmm. Since the moment I met Ryan, pieces of myself that I didn't know existed started coming to life. And I naturally began to grow and change in a myriad of positive ways. I've said before, if I had a blank sketch pad and a pencil, I could not have designed or imagined or more perfect partner for me. I've learned that love is not leisure, it is work. I have also learned that with patience, understanding, and empathy for each other's needs, it is the most rewarding and fulfilling work I've experienced. 
with that said, happy Valentine's Day to my funny Valentine, my funny Valentine, Ryan. I love you with my whole heart. Here's to loving, learning, and to a million summers filled with laughing smooches. Oh, that's actually really nice. Isn't that adorable? Yeah. I just loved it so much. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of them. And I think you all will be too. So make sure I you... I think you just made me one. They're kind of good, right? Mm-hmm. So um, make sure you follow uh, their joint account on Instagram. They are Cars and Rye. That's C-A-R-S-A-N-D-R-Y. You can follow Carson by himself. He is at Carson Twitchell. C-A-R-S-O-N T-W-I-T-C-H-E-L-L And then his lovely beau is uh ryan lesseur is uh, like the p <laughs> at mr 72 that's m-r-s-e-v-e-n-t-y-t-w-o and that's on instagram as well i wonder if he's the heir to the lesseur p fortune let's ask <laughs> i love so um we love them you guys are gonna love them tell them the cartelli sent you i promise you you'll enjoy them um If we don't get the opportunity to say it for the rest of the episode, we want to wish all of you a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, with your family or with your friends or whomever you end up spending Thanksgiving with this year. Uh, We know the holidays can somewhat be trying, um, but that's what alcohol was made for. Um, So just make sure you uh, drink up and have a really good time. Um, But know that Tony and I love you all very much and we thank you all for the support. And we're so thankful to be able to at least be in your ears the night of or the day before or the day of uh, somewhere around somewhere around Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, Know that you fully have our support. And uh, if your parents or your siblings or your relatives are bothering you, tell them that we uh, would give them a hearty kick in the pants uh, and that they better not have a come over there and beat some ass. (laughs) And feel free to email us your uh, Thanksgiving horror stories. Oh, I love a good Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. horror story. Taters go. (laughs) Can't wait. Uh, Anyways, we are going to try to solve the world's problems. Cortelli style will be back. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hey, folks. It's your favorite hosts, Tony. And Marco. We need to ask a favor. Please stop what you're doing this very moment and head to your favorite podcast directory and rate and review relationship. We know, we know. It's a big ask, but we need your help in getting the word out about the podcast, and your reviews are the best ways to make that happen. So if you have two minutes, please go and give us a five-star rating. Then, write a review and tell everyone about how much you love our voices. Or how we're your favorite hosts. Or that this really important conversation is helping you along the way. Just a few ideas, you know, in case you get writer's block. Anyways, we appreciate your help and thank you for the support. Your participation will only make relationships better. We're going to get back to the show now, but we love all of you. Thanks. So, I don't I don't even know how to begin this topic. Very simply. Hey, Zaddy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, the fact that that was recorded is fun. For all of history. That is fun. Um, No, so we're talking, uh, this is a very difficult topic because there's like a super fine line between like appropriate and inappropriate relationships regarding this topic. But today we're going to talk a little bit about 
dating and or being with much older men within the gay community. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird. And I feel bizarre with saying this and these articles, both of them, both of which actually point this out. But um, I feel as though it is somewhat a rite of passage to be a young gay and in some way, shape and or form date hook up with have sexual relations with uh, a much older man would you find that to be true or false i mean that was definitely my experience but i don't know if it's universal i i would venture to say and i would love to hear from our listeners about whether or not this has been their experience with the gay realm and things of that nature but i feel um i feel i kind of feel as though it is something that happens typically. I feel like younger gays um, tend to want to date older gays because of the experience. Like they want to be able to like dive into it and like know and, and experience everything. And of course, the older gays are the only ones that can hold your hands through it. Right. right? <laughs> but so there's something slightly predatory in it from the older gay perspective because I mean, realistically, what do you have in common at 40 with a 19-year-old? Sure. <laughs> like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, those types of things are, are just, like, super bizarre, but it's um it's such a common occurrence that it is, um I don't know, it's somewhat, quote-unquote, normal. Well, I think there's a difference. So there's a couple of different things going on here. Just having an age difference isn't in and of itself an issue, the, the May-December um, you know, relationship. It's being an adult versus being a child. Sure. And it is also the difference of like, is this actually a relationship or are you just using this person? Sure. And that can go either way, the older person or the younger person. Yeah, because the, the younger person can totally use the older person. Hello, Anna Nicole. Like, <laughs> you know, you could definitely do those things and, the, and that happens, but it's like kind of sticky. And what I loved about these articles that we'll get to in just a little bit, but what they point out is when this happens in a heterosexual relationship we kind of don't wince at all we don't respond the same way yeah at all, we, so. we we don't say anything it's kind of like oh look he got himself a young girl and like that's like the end of it right right or we'll just like toss it off as oh it's the midlife crisis it's the midlife crisis mm-hmm. or you know she's a cougar look at her she's you know an, a younger uh, an older woman dating a younger man mm-hmm. good for them kind of thing mm-hmm. like that and we just like leave it alone but when an older gay man dates a younger gay man it's kind of like, oh, that has to be like they're clearly just in it for the money. They're in it for the the really. There's no way that they're connecting. He has to be predatory in some capacity. There's something going on there that has to be any and everything except for love. Well, and it's an, in particular, it's judged by gay people more than by straight people. I 100 percent believe because it. A lot of gay culture is just so obsessed with youth and the way that looks. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Did you have experience with dating? And I mean, you don't have to necessarily get into specifics, but like, what was the age difference if you did date a young, an older man? The first time I did it, the age difference was at least 15 years. Wow. The next time I did it, the age difference was at least 40 years. Wow. Yeah. 40 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You had to have been significantly younger. I was in my early 20s. He was in his early 60s. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I yeah. don't know that I knew that. Yeah, it wasn't. It, was, it didn't last long. It was like two dates. But Got it. but I was genuinely interested. I, he was he was a very 
sophisticated, even-tempered, gentleman, traveled, smart guy. And, like, I just, I enjoyed talking to him. And when I found out he was gay, I was like, oh, well, maybe we should go on a date. And the first date was lovely. And then the mm. second date, it was like, oh, yeah, no, this isn't for me. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And it wasn't for him either. Yeah. It was, it was just as weird for him. He was like, yeah, I've never dated someone as young as you. The age difference. Like, that's what you, like, they're, like, at the end of the day, like, sure, the physical, right? Like, the physical aspect of it. Like, it's not abnormal for an older man to be super attracted to, like, a younger guy. Mm. Like, like, that's, like, that's, I get it. But, like, when you actually have to start talking to one another and finding, like, commonalities and things of like it gets a little bit murkier because well, that wasn't, that, I definitely would say that uh, if I hadn't had this experience that was not our experience our experience was actually that our our minds and our and our thoughts and our experiences were very similar we just weren't sexually compatible I'm sure your minds were but like your experiences couldn't have been he had 40 plus years on you in terms of like well, but we living had both life been, we had and, both been out about the same amount of time Sure, but I'm talking about just the, the like, living life. Like, I'm sure he, I, I, I'm just speculating at this point, but, you know, married, was, had he been married no, before? No, he never married, no kids, no nothing kids like that. But, like I, but I get where you're going. But like, like, I get where you're going, He just yeah. lived a longer life mm-hmm. and, like, saw a lot more sure. and been around and done a lot of things. So, like, being able to talk to a person that has had half the life that you have, more than half the life that you um, had, it's kind of hard to, like, to be able to talk about those things and, and, and it just becomes really interesting. Well, I and my experience was my own, you know. It's super unique. And yeah. I'm not I'm I'm not delegitimizing it. I'm just saying that after like the it, like there comes a point where you're sitting across the table from one another and you're like, this person hasn't even began to experience. Like I think about it all the time. Like I'm thirty five years old and I like talk to my twenty three year old sister or like my twenty three year old coworker, twenty five year old coworker, and I'm like, you guys, like you're gonna experience X, Y, and Z. You haven't even gotten there yet. Right. Like you're still worried about whether or not your friends are texting you back in time. Like you're wait till you get thirty five and you just don't even care about that shit anymore. <laughs> Can you imagine being sixty years old and being like, I remember when there was no cell phones. <laughs> like, do you see what I'm saying? Like those things are just gonna be different. Um. Before I started dating you, I dated, I was 24, and I, the guy that I was dating was 34, so there was like a 10-year age Mm -hmm. difference there, and then right before him, I had gone on a couple of dates with a 41-year-old, and I actually really enjoyed both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just something about me that just, I don't know, just spoke more to like being with those that were a little bit older than me I just I I just wasn't very interested in the young like the the people that were like my age the guys that were my age Hmm. even when I dated females I always dated older females like one of my like serious girlfriends when I was like 18 years old was like 24 uh that's not right I was yeah I was like 19 and she was like 22 I remember I was what what are you in 10th grade? Like 15. So I was 15 and I was dating a woman who was almost 30. And I remember she didn't know that I was 15. Yeah. And we were out with her friends and I was like, oh no, I can't drink. And they're like, why? I'm like, I'm not 21. And the look on her face. I'm sure. 
those things happen. Like, and, and that was my thing. Uh, but I always dated a little bit older anyways. Like, and, and you know, so those those things happen. But um, we read a, I, I'm just so fascinated by the concept because gay culture, much to the point that you presented earlier, is like youth driven fascinated Mm -hmm. super fascinated i i think the young gays are fascinated with finding an older gay i think it is like a phenomenon going on right now where i i'm sure it's been going on for a really long time are you talking about certain arrangements or are you talking about just being attracted to older men in general i just think they're attracted to older men in general i I think think that's normal I, I do I think, think that's it's normal. I, I, I sure I said I'm, I, it's not like a recent phenomenon, but it is a phenomenon. There's a few things that I think factor into it. One of which being, I think that when you're younger and life is like so in flux, like you know you don't have like the job yet, right? Like so you're like just kind of establishing your life and you don't have those things but you have this much older person that has this full realized career and has been doing it in this you know their their bills are paid on time they have all these things they have their own place they have all of these fun things like you want that stability mm-hmm. and so you tend to be attracted to and gravitate towards that person that can provide that for you because those things matter at that point in time right I think I, I personally think that that's one of those things. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I just think it's kind of like the reality of the circumstance. Mm. Um, and, and I and I know that that was something that I kind I, I kind of found myself. I had like a, I had like a full career, like I was making great money. I was making way more money than my fellow gays that were my age mm. do you see what I'm saying like I was doing things I had things so I wanted to like be with those that like were like somewhat on my level or mm-hmm. even a little bit above it so then that way there was like a commonality there and I know for me that like where I lived it was you know the deep south so there was like your choices were extremely sure. limited but I remember actually thinking that when I was uh dating or hanging out with guys my own age I remember thinking like gosh, I wish there were some more slightly older guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because me too, like all, all my friends were, my actual friends were like much older. And that's always been true of my life. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my friends are a good 15, 20 years older than me. Just because that's the kind of company I enjoy keeping. Not to say that I don't enjoy people my own age or younger. Um, but it's just always been what I've gravitated toward. I get it. Um, so it's interesting because the times when I dated people my own age or younger it was always like, just weird <laughs> yeah i mean and so you were so you're 35 i'm 37 like we are fairly close in age i'm 35 you're 37 yeah. yes um <laughs> i don't know how and or why i would age myself like that um it's two years not a big deal yeah. <laughs> i'm holding on to those two years whatever i'm still young um <laughs> um but I, I i don't know i just think it's yeah so we we're pretty close in age Mm-hmm. Um, which is wonderful. Um, but Not what yeah, I envisioned, I it's fine for me. Like I don't know. Oh, I'm very happy. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> no, I say it's like fine for me because like I don't. One, I never really thought of being permanently partnered, anyways. So right. I think that that it, like I never really thought about it. But you're a lot younger than I thought I would end up with. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. I won't say a lot, mm-hmm. but I definitely thought that I would be like with like a forty year old right now. Mm-hmm. If, if that's the case but anyways we read a couple of really cool articles 
um, very fascinating articles. The first one was on Psychology Today, and it was written by Lauren Olson, MD. Uh, this was written back in 2018, and his article is titled The Curse of an Attraction to Older Gay Men, Daddy Issues, Money, or Perfectly Natural. Um, and I really liked this article. He tells the story of this man, Thomas Gass, in California, who had survived the curse, the quote unquote curse twice, because Thomas, who uh, was um, dating much older men, two very much older men, um, had lost both of his partners to um, uh, one was like a disease and the other was aging. Lou Gehrig's and cancer. Cancer. They mm -hmm. both of them were diseases. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so that happened. Um, and he still managed, you know, his first relationship was, you know, the man was 28 years older than he was. And then his second relationship, the man was 18 years older than he was. Mm -hmm. um, and he found himself now that he's like a little bit and he had been with both of them significantly. So the one that was 28 years, years older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One was 13 years and then the other one was 17 years. So he's a much older man at this point. And uh, with that being said, he still is managing to find himself attracted to much older men. Mm -hmm. And of course, with that comes a lot of, you know, circumstances to be very aware of. Yeah. You know, because you're going to have to worry about it happening a third time, right? Like these, pa the passing of these much older, especially like if you're 50 years old and you're dating someone 20 years older than you, that's 70 years. Like 70 is not old i mean it's older let's be honest but you know 70 doesn't mean what it used to mean back sure. in the day you know my dad just sent me a picture of a family member that is 101 years old right now Yay. which is amazing so like our age ha like has definitely gone to like the higher side right mm. how but with that being said 70 does mean that like you have to start worrying about other life ending circumstances that sure. could definitely start coming up so you know you have to do worry about that but i you know so i i, I do find that incredibly fascinating that he is still managing to to want to go to the much older side in terms of dating yeah and it must be very challenging yeah 100 percent um so the article continues going on and on to talk about um, you know, Thomas Gass and his relationships and all of that good stuff. And then he pointed out a couple of things that I thought he, so I guess he, I guess there was an article that was written by Lauren Olson that Thomas Gass commented on. Um, and he says that he wrote that in their discussion, some common themes emerged from this article that he had written about called uh, age as a factor in sexual orientation and attraction. Um, the first thing was the younger men have more interest in sports than their partners and their gay peers who are attracted to men their own age. And this came up from his own discussions with his own with friends. With his own friends. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, the younger men, number two, the younger men tend to be more masculine than their gay peers who are attracted to men their own age. And the number three, the younger men prefer older men with endomorphic bodies, uh, you know, belly fat, strong bones and sturdy thighs. <laughs> I like sturdy thighs. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, uh, Olson goes on to say, while these observations are purely anecdotal and subjective, the comments resonated with some of my own observations. And he said, I would add another. The younger man has a high need to please others. I take offense to all of this, but 
That's just me. I thought it was, I didn't really enjoy any of it. No. I thought it was weird. I was like, I, first of all, what are you talking about? I mean, that's great that you're saying that it's anecdotal and subjective, but you're on psychology today. Like, this is not appropriate. Yeah, I thought it was weird, and I and I thought it was worth mentioning just because, um, I don't know, I, I it was just so off base that I I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was like kind of weird. It's just so strange to me to take those statements, especially when you're talking about one small group of friends. Like, that's clearly not a representative sample, and as sure. a scientist, this person should have known better. Sure. I just thought that that was like super weird. Um, on there, though, he did talk about some other things, like the younger man does know and understand the fact that they will then have to become caretakers later on in life mm-hmm. um, because if you do date especially like a significantly older man that you do have to kind of give up a bit of your younger life to be able to take over to care for them because there's going to come a point in time in which they are going to need you to be there for them mm-hmm. and that is um, definitely something that uh, you have to kind of like think about when it comes to dating these much older men yeah, and then the article goes on to give like some really, um, you know, celebrity type examples of uh, these sorts of relationships and, and gay people. Um, and then he goes through and like talks about like some of the common misconceptions, sure, which, which I, I thought love. was very good and, and now responsible yeah. uh, part of the article, um, <laughs> which I enjoyed just dispelling certain myths about, uh, you know, the attraction and uh, the sex, um, which I thought was really good. Yeah, I loved what one of the lines I loved. It has been suggested that satisfying sex cannot occur without wet kisses and swelling organs, which reduces gay sexuality to nothing more than sex. And it implies that older men are incapable of having erections. But sex that has both emotional and physical intimacy and when it is expressed in slow time, it may be far more satisfying. No age cutoff exists for exciting, interesting and satisfying sex. Mm. And, yeah. I, and I like how they end the article by saying that we don't know much about what causes people to be attracted to other people, but what studies are showing is that this sort of attraction is a constant and that it may not change no matter what that person's age is. So just like this person that he's talking to, we're like, you've experienced these multiple deaths. Why don't you date someone your own age or younger? And they just they just can't. You just can't explain it. You know, you have a you have a friend who's into much older, much bigger men uh, as well. I do. Um, and I remember when I was when I was tootling about in the gay scene in my younger days. I remember there was this little gym rat of a of a guy um, that everybody wanted to be with, and he finally got a boyfriend, and we were all shocked because the little gym rat of a guy was dating a, a pudgy old man. And it was, re- and like they were together for years, and like I'm assuming they got married. Like it's just crazy. Mm. It's just, it's so interesting what causes people to be attracted to other people. Well, isn't it? I mean, it, it's my one of my favorite things is when you always watch like network sitcoms, and they, you know, they have like the skinny wife, fat husband kind of dynamic that goes right. on, and and it's so, and while it's on television so often, and it like seems so absurd, it is a reality in a lot of American homes. Well, I think that has more to do with the inappropriate, uh, unequal standards of beauty that we put on each other, or I should say just on women. (laughs) Well, sure. Men can be fat, women can't. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure, but I also think that a woman uh, is a lot more prone to uh, 
being accepting of sure. uh, of a little bit more of an overweight husband mm-hmm. rather than you know the other way around, which is just super crazy. But um, anyways, the next article, which was I gotta be honest with you, which was a little bit of a um, rough read for me. Uh-huh. Um, this is on MelMagazine.com. Uh, Stephen Bloom wrote this about a year ago, but this particular article. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm reading the wrong article. I thought, I thought we were going to do that one for relationships. No, 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 no. This is the other article. No, this is MailMagazine.com. I told you the third one was going to be read. The second one was going on relationship. Anyways, this article uh, was about why have massive age differences long been common in gay dating? Oh, this is a difficult um, And he reads, yeah, it is very difficult. And he, you know, read Call Me By Your Name, Kevin Spacey, and What Counts as Predatory Behavior Among Gay Men. And this article is a lot more focused on predatory, on predatory relationships with older men, be younger men, and, well, and underaged, yeah, underaged, but mm-hmm. also where where the responsibility lies in a lot of those situations. Because uh, in one uh, instance, he's he's talking uh, about uh, Kevin Spacey and one of the guys that Kevin Spacey was, you know, uh, allegedly uh, in a relationship with or messing around with in whatever capacity. And the guy was 14. I guess Kevin Spacey was 25. Mm-hmm. And what was going on in this situation, it, which makes it a little bit difficult, is I, I guess this guy would venture to say that it was completely consensual. Hmm. But because for him, he thought as a 14-year-old that he was a lot more mature and knew what he was doing mm-hmm. and he so was like really into okay, it so, and i seduced him and it was okay with him and kevin spacey took advantage of that which is you know which is where the problem comes in but where does the line get drawn in that right because if kevin Sp- and it's hard what kevin spacey did was wrong period point mm-hmm. blank mm-hmm. not even going to argue in any other direction about right. that but Sorry, at the same time I'm sorry. I said sorry, Nambla. Yeah, but but on the other end, you also have to come to the realization that this 14-year-old was pursuing this 25-year-old, mm-hmm. right? And as much as we would like to think it, you know, our willpower exists to a certain extent, right? You know, at, at some point in time, you just end up giving it. Again, not writing his wrong because it is very much so a wrong, but it is also one of those things that's like, like, wit, like how far how far do we blame him for this like especially when some of these younger men and then the reason the reason why i wanted to i'm sorry i'm trying to like gather my thoughts as i'm talking but the reason why i wanted to kind of talk about this particular article is because uh, there is a quote-unquote rite of passage that happens with the younger gays right so often small town younger gays will want to experience things and the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to get on the apps they're going to get on the websites they're you know looking in the newspapers i don't care how they're going to find it but they're going to find some sort of sexual encounter because they need to figure out how to do it in some way and oftentimes what they end up doing is interacting with these much older guys to be able to make that happen so you're 14 years old living in small town x and it just so happens that 28 year old guy answers your ad you know for something i'm, I'm dating myself way back when mm-hmm. right this is a newspaper ad but you're adam for adam your gay.com your grinder ads and things of that nature 
of course the 28 year old should know that he should not be interacting with the 14 year old but what happens when this 14 year old is the prower is that the word i'm looking for (laughs) like what happens when he's the one that's out there that's like wanting to engage in you and wanting that to happen because nobody in their high school is going to be able to give them the full experience that they actually want and so they want the experience from the 28 year old it's like murky like that's so difficult to understand and our legal system would be very clear with you about how the child cannot make that sort of a decision and that an adult should not make it for them Um, However, I won't ignore the fact that there are child marriages out there with the consent of the parents. Um, And so why are those things legally okay, but this isn't? And is there a difference between the giving the, you know, almost of age kid, you know, one experience versus having a full on relationship with them? Is there a difference between that? I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. That's why I'm saying it's murky. I just can't ignore the fact that that answer has changed over time. There was a time in our history where it was very normal for older people to have sex with younger people, and that's how you learned about sex and lost your virginity. I'm not saying that's an okay practice, but so often but it was socially normal. There's so much in our history that shows that, like, much older men, fathers were marrying off their 14, 13, 14 year old daughters to their friends. Yeah. They're much older yeah. friends, yeah. and that was just a part of it. But now all of a sudden it's like super illegal. So it's like, we can't act like this is not something that we've created ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, and again, I, 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 I please let the record reflect that. Like, I am not saying that Mr. 28 year old and that example that I gave should not know the difference and, and should not know that it's wrong to, to be with a 14 year old. All I'm saying is, you know, some of these 14 year olds are, are, a little uh, um, eager and aggressive when it comes to partnering and, and doing all that stuff and like making that stuff happen. And we have to, all the responsibilities, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I I'd have to sit with it. Yeah, I can't, I can't speak for, you know, the moral compass of the country or the legal system. What I can tell you is as someone who had several underage experiences with uh, overaged men, um, I in those moments I wanted those experiences. Um, I do not regret them. I do not feel that I was taken advantage of. I do feel there was one guy who was clearly trying to groom me, and I would not let him groom me. Like I wouldn't get into that. I was like, no, we did the one thing I wanted to do. I don't want to do this anymore with you. Like stop. Like he sure. he was really trying to like full on groom me and, and take continual advantage of me. And I wasn't going to let that happen. There is a difference, I think, in that. Now, other people who don't didn't have that same experience, like that's abuse, right? That's totally abuse. But to your point, there is this gray area where is it, isn't it? Um, you know, do you did you block it out and you just don't realize that you're a victim? Like, am I just you know in total denial? But I'll tell you that I was the active person throughout the entire process and all these experiences that I'm talking well, about. And that's what this person that was a part of the whole Kevin Spacey situation, that's what he went on to say is like, you know, like I, I fully wanted this. Like I, I fully wanted it. Did it make it right? Absolutely not. But it is still something that like he necessarily doesn't regret. But again, you know, upon thinking about it and looking at it from a very like black and white standpoint, 
uh, it's it's very evident that Kevin Spacey is, is in the is in the wrong about it. So this article is again just very interesting, and I definitely challenge you all to go and and check it out uh, because it is it's very you know amazing. They say you know, but when famous straight men date much younger women, people don't tend to automatically condemn them as pedophiles, something they're inclined to do when it comes to prominent gay men. The article before, uh, I'm sorry, the paragraph uh, before. For that says some studies suggest that gay and straight men have similar age preferences when it comes to partners with one important distinction more masculine gay guys seem to prefer younger men and those who identify as more femme desire older partners a more recent study by facebook however found that partners in both gay and lesbian couples tend to have much higher age gaps than their heterosexual counterparts um yeah, and then the next paragraph says different motivations propel younger gay men into these relationships as well. When you're a teen, entering into a relationship with an older gay man can be a protective measure. Mm-hmm. Isolated from peers and family who may not understand their sexuali- sexuality, gay teens sometimes gravitate towards older men who have traveled the road before them and who could end up exploiting the vulnerability of their situation. So there's kind of, you know, how often I, I think about, uh, we were just watching that uh, movie the the other night where, the, you know, the guy was uh, making out with that high school girl and was like, oh, are all your friends jealous that you're dating a college man? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's always that narrative going on right where it's like the much older person is the more attractive person Mm -hmm. for some strange reason and again the problem is there is a fine like there is this super fine line between appropriate and inappropriate well and it's interesting because each state has its own definition right and some of them are so seemingly to me arbitrary like it doesn't matter the ages of you as long as the difference isn't greater than three years right or which is just so arbitrary um and then there's others like this article points out that some countries have different ages whether it's a heterosexual or a homosexual relationship yeah. and then england actually only recently changed that disparity which i found to be fascinating yeah so not to say that um predatory behavior is in any way acceptable we're just talking about what is it with this age difference and that attraction and sometimes that conversation relates to a minor and a non-minor sure and if any of our listeners out there are in uh relationships that have uh pretty large age gaps um we would definitely love to hear from you i would say more than 10 years uh age gap because i think anything between i would say more than seven I think 10. I, 10, okay. is, 10, yeah. Let's I was, be arbitrary. Yeah. I was, I was, well, for me, 10 is like whatever. I don't know why 10 doesn't bother me for some mm. strange reason. But I think that when you start getting to like the 15, the 20, the 25 year, the mm. 30 year age mm. difference, mm. I need to know. I need to know what's going on. Like mm. what happened there? What What do you guys talk about? Um, those <laughs> things are like, you know, I just want to understand that. Um, so if any of our listeners out there have a significant age difference with their partner, um, tell us what it is. Tell us, I want to know everything. Tell us the good, the bad, the, the everything about it. Like what attracted you to one another? What keeps you guys together? You know, how it does society. P.S. Society needs to stop fucking judging you and your relationship mm-hmm. because it's your relationship. It has nothing to do with anybody else, but um, at the end of the day, what would you want society to know about your relationship? Because it is a pretty uh, substantial and interesting situation. So it would be nice to hear 
um, you know, what you would like everyone to know so that they could stop staring or, you know, doing double takes and all of that kind of stuff. So, hmm. I don't know. Very interesting topic. Huh? It is. Awesome. Um, I think we solved the world's problems. What do you think? Mm, no, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just made the waters far murkier and probably pissed off a bunch of people. <laughs> Accurate, accurate, <laughs> accurate. All right, well, we're going to take a short break, but we will be back with less murkier topics. Mm. Hello, listeners. As you may have heard, Tony and I have a weekly after show on IGTV called Relationship. <laughs> Get it? Relationship? Relationship? What? <laughs> Nothing. Keep going. Okay. Every week, Marco and I will talk about the podcast topic, the things we learned, and the way to use it in our relationship day-to-day. Yep. Our goal is to put a face to the topics and our message, as well as give you some extra relationship content and guidance. So make sure you're following us on Instagram. We are at podrelationship. And tune in every Wednesday. After you've listened to the episode. <laughs> yes, on IGTV for our weekly after show, Relationship. Comment, like it, tell your friends. All support is greatly appreciated. We look forward to having you see us there. <laughs> Bye. All right. I am super excited right now because I love when, uh, I don't know, Days of Our Pasts gets to uh, make their presence in our present um, <laughs> which is always great um and today we're actually talking with a really good friend of mine that i've known way longer than i think i'm publicly uh comfortable with admitting uh, <laughs> but today we're talking with a good friend from my past kate Cheeler. hi hello yes i'm like the ghost of christmas past <laughs> <laughs> I met Kate back in, oh God, it had to be like 2003 or 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I put that in the denial file. I haven't really thought about how long ago that was. It was a really long time ago. Such a long time. I remember I came back from summer in Vegas and came back and you were working at the uh, retailer that we were working at mm-hmm. together. And like we instantly became like good friends they go really really quickly and uh boy do we have some drunk stories (laughs) (laughs) and i'm pretty sure we alone like kept the business afloat just taking our paycheck and piping it right back into the store 100 percent. you were a very (laughs) you were a a a tried and true jean purchaser like you were like all about lucky brand jeans and you had like every pair in the store i have i you know i have like purchased so many ultra low cut 2003 <laughs> jeans that i cannot wear anymore yeah i like got rid of all of them i don't know where any of them because all of them were boot cut and i'm yeah. like yeah, cut and low ultra low rise oh my god how gross is that <laughs> oh. uh, I love it. No, so thank you so much for talking with us today. You're talking to us all the way from Vegas. Yeah. yeah. My home. My home away from home, I should say. And my brother's new home. Yeah. That's it's right. Um, well, why don't you start by just telling our listeners a little bit of like your background, like where are you from, what you got going on, like just all that good stuff. So I am, um, I'm originally from the East Coast. My family's in Virginia and I, I, 
went to school mostly though in Annapolis, Maryland. And then after that, I moved around. I lived in LA for, I don't know, eight years or so and got into TV. I, uh, produced TV shows and I worked in what we call unscripted. So I worked in all the good trash TV and I did ghost shows and discovery channel shows and all sorts of stuff. So that was another lifetime ago seems. And now I am a hypnotherapist and my focus is in sex, sexuality, relationships, uh, and so I work with clients every day, basically, like we're doing now, I work mostly over Skype or video conferencing. So I meet with people that, from all over the world, actually. And I do coaching as well as hypnotherapy. So some people like to have um, something a little longer term, where we check in once a week, and we do a combination of um, techniques to help you get your relationship on track or your body confidence. Some people struggle with erections or orgasms. We work, I work with that. And, um, and so, and I, and I speak and teach and I put out a lot of videos that get, (laughs) that get shadow banned on Instagram, just trying to teach people. (laughs) And, uh, and so that's what I do. I love it's so crazy. Again, I've known you for so long at this point, but to like see how life shifts, right? Because you were, I mean, just to think we were like, what, 19, 20 years old back in the day. And then now, you know, we're not 19 or 20. (laughs) How life itself just has shifted from, you know, working in a clothing store to like where we're at now, which is just so fascinating to me. Well, and I'm sure you agree. Like it's, it's all of that stuff. Like I went through, my time periods of partying, of dating, of sleeping around. And, you know, I could look back on that and think, oh, God, like, you know, be embarrassed. But I'm not only am I not embarrassed, but also all of that makes me better now. Yes. Helping other people. So all of my walks of shame led me to this point as a professional. And I'm here. <laughs> That's, I mean, Katie, you were, Kate, Katie, see, there I go, like, tripping up on, on how I used to know you. Um, But, like, you were always the girl, you, like, when I first met you, you were in a long-term relationship. You were with a guy for, like, years. Mm-hmm. And then you moved to L.A., and I know you were in a lot of different relationships. You were married. Like, you've always kind of been... um a serial monogamous or like a gal that's just always kind of had a partner in some capacity. I think I have always had, I have always been date. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a serial man. I've certainly been date. I've certainly had plenty of time periods where I was dating a lot of people at once. Not necessarily, I wouldn't say cheating, but playing the field, shall we? Like in LA, right? So, but I, I feel like I've all, I've, I've rarely been single for long. I will say that in the past. <laughs> you know, I've tried out a lot of things. Right. Like, yeah, you got you to gotta get out there and figure it out, right? <laughs> and, you know, Los Angeles is one of those places where you, a lot of people in LA work, you know, in um, movies or TV shows or project-based work. And so you, it's like summer camp. You work on a project where you're with this one group of people for months at a time, and that's your world. 
And so people get involved and then that one's over and then it's like summer camp is over and all of a sudden you realize, I don't really have anything in common with this person. And then you, you know, join the next project and it happens again. And that's really typical in LA. Yeah. I mean, look at Brad and Angelina, right? That (laughs) that happened. It's, you know, it's a tough place to, to hold something down for sure. For sure. So, so on that, you, so you were married and you are no longer married. Um, if you, because we've never spoken with a divorced person on the podcast, if there were three things regarding uh, divorce that you would love to educate everybody on, what would it be really quickly? So I would have to say, I don't want to forget my points here. So I'm going to think about them for a second. So I think the first thing would be that, well, I guess, I guess the first thing I should say is, you know, if you are going, if you, if you get a divorce, you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the first thing is, and I think women sometimes fall into the role of caretaker of children or, and uh, more than men do, and it can leave them feeling responsible for the family unit and or leave them feeling like they don't have the financial resources to leave. Yeah. And it can be very hard, but, you know, we live in a time period where about 50% of marriages end in divorce. While that might sound grim, the flip side, the silver lining of that statistic is that, you know, the reason we have more divorces now than before is not because marriage is worse. It's that you you're socially acceptable. Yeah. Well, you're not settling for less than what you think you want, right? Like we're like completely okay with the fact that being like, yeah, I tried that out and it's not exactly what I want. So I'm going to like go move forward to get exactly what it is that I want and or deserve. Yeah, and that, you know, you can, you're not going to be a, a social pariah because you're a divorcee, unlike, what, 50 years ago, even? Sure, Right. Sure. So the, the silver lining of that is that, you know, you can move on with your life and you have choices. So the first, that's my first thing to say. The, the second thing I guess I would tell people is, you know, find, find your friends, find a therapist. And try not to drink too much wine. (laughs) 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 Limit it. And uh, your friends are going to be your, you know, we go through all sorts of things. We, we have our family and we'll, we'll all probably at some point, not too far in the future, lose our parents. Right. We, we go through divorces and we have our children leave the house. And when they're teenagers, they become assholes, right? Like at some point, all of these come and go, but your friends, your friends can, they're the family you choose. And and so in just like in any other up and down, any other trial in your life, your friends really will be your support system and your rock. So, you know, don't leave your friends when you get in a relationship. <laughs> You're going to need them when you get out. And, and then um, the last thing, uh, what would be the third thing I'd say about divorce? See, I said I didn't want to forget, and I had something really good. <laughs> it happens. And now my third piece of my gem of my br- of brilliance is now, now God, I'm going to come back to it. Let's come back to it. So halfway through when we're talking about something completely different, I'm going to remember. Totally get it. And I'm going to say it. 
Not a problem. Yeah, we can't wait. Um, so I do want to dive way more into what it is that you're doing right now. So first of all, I, I'm curious how one gets educated or involved with hypnotherapy. How did that happen? So I actually, the reason that I got into hypnotherapy, it was a little bit of a winding road, but I, I decided, I knew that I was interested in hypnosis and it comes from a, a little bit of an oddball place. I told you that I worked in TV. I, I worked in shows and I toured in big magic shows. And I was really familiar with hypnosis as a form of entertainment. And I had a lot of connections to different hypnotists and I'd seen them work in a lot of different capacities, whether on TV shows or on stage. And so it was something I understood the concept of, but, and I thought when I was, you know, when you divorce and you have to start over, I had been on stage for the last, for year, you know, the last seven years before. And I thought, well, that I was going to continue to be on stage. And I went originally thinking I was going to do hypnosis on stage and that's okay. what I was going to learn. And then I took this class and it was an incredible class. And there was a, there were all kinds of people in the course and the, it was a, it was a two part course. The first week was just hypnosis 101, learning about hypnosis in general and how to hypnotize. But the second week, the people that stayed on, it was a stage hypnosis course. And there was a woman in this class with her husband, middle-aged woman. She was, she was, this was in the 101 class, the first part. And they were there because they had gone to see a comedy hypnosis show and had no preconceived notions, really didn't think anything of it. She volunteered and she got very deeply hypnotized and did all these wacky things. So the reason they wanted to take the course is they were just totally fascinated and wanted to understand what had happened. Hmm. And so they weren't there. They weren't there as performers or creatives. They were there just for their own reasons. And we all got to know each other. And throughout the class, it came to light that she had this major phobia of cats and her husband okay. kind of referred to it in the class and it turns out that she had this job where she does home visits I don't I don't remember exactly what she did but she did home visits and you can imagine how many different homes probably have cats as pets right? Right, right. so and they literally she gets panic attacks and she can't do her job you know she feels like she's having a heart attack and she cries and she shakes and she can't go in so this is really affecting her life and that came out just in getting to know each other. And on the last day of class, the teacher, who also is a hypnotherapist, but in this class wasn't teaching hypnotherapy, but he said, hey, uh, do you want to come up on here in front of the class and do a hypnotherapy session in front of the class? Because we had a little extra time. And she, right. and she was really brave. And she said, yes. Now, what he taught was not your typical hypnotherapy. He taught something called, he teaches something called transforming therapy. And it's a very, very emotional, effective, intense process is what he teaches. So we brought her up and over the next 45 minutes, she, the, what I watched up there was the most powerful thing I'd ever seen. I mean, it brought me to tears. She was crying. She was reliving memories. She was facing her fears. She was doing all of this emotional work in the state of hypnosis. 
And when it ended, she went out and she went to an SPCA and sent back video to the class of herself holding cats and petting them. And it was just like, I'd never seen anything like it. And that was the moment I knew I wanted to do that. I was like, that's what I want to do. And it really just shifted my entire trajectory. And then the next thing is I had been struggling personally to achieve orgasms my entire life. I could do it by myself with a toy, but not with another. I mean, with another person was just right. almost never. It was a struggle for me. And it had been my entire that. adult life. And yeah. And so then as I'm learning hypnotherapy, I couldn't help but uptake all these things I was learning about how we behave and our patterns and the subconscious control over our body basically and our emotions and and take that information and change I couldn't help it it was such a powerful week and I was a mess but I after learning all of this I was able okay, to wow. orgasm so it then and then as I started talking to people I realized how many other people struggle with sex related issues whether it's um, anxiety, uh, erections, orgasms, body confidence, um, body dysmorphia, how many, you know, and how much shame mm -hmm. there is around sex. And so as I'm speaking to people, I realize like, this is really important. People need to learn that they can get that, why they feel the way they feel, and then what they can do, how they can use this therapy to change and how powerful it is. And I realized that no, there's not a lot of people teaching that. And also sex is so taboo. Just being able to talk about sex in a way that is not, um, you know, that just takes things that are normally embarrassing. And I just try to say them, <laughs> you know, and just make it okay. And, and then all of a sudden, like the social media grew and more and more people were coming to me and, and, I and here that. I am. That, I mean, that is so fascinating and it, exactly the reason why I wanted to talk to you because I, I do feel like there is so much shame so much um discomfort revolving sex so much um lack of pleasure oh. that comes from sex that people just consistently uh walk through life thinking is normal um and so the idea of having someone that is able to help them work through it in in a really uh healthy way transformative way almost is uh really exciting mm -hmm. I, I don't know well the thing that people you know hypnotherapy is a tool and and there are a lot of tools that you you should anything that works for you you should do but the reason that hypnotherapy when done right is so powerful is that you know you go out and let's say you feel um you know let's say you feel some sort of you like to have sex mm -hmm. with the lights off mm -hmm. or something okay because you, you don't like your body or whatever. Well, you could read all the self-help books in the world who that could tell you logical reasons why you should love your body and what that will do for you when you love your body, okay? And you can agree with them logically. Yeah, yeah, I get that that would make me feel, I get that that would be good. I get, I understand all the reasons why, but you still don't, sure. right? It stops short of the, of of the change, all that information out there. You can read the blogs, you can watch TED Talks. And the reason is because all of that information, while important to take in, is all conscious. 
thinking. And all of our behavior was created in our emotional mind, which is our subconscious. That drives all of our behavior. So we're trying to change something in one level of consciousness that was created in another. So that's why when you're dieting and you're like, I don't want to, you know, sugar's bad for me. I'm going to cut out the sugar, right? And then you think, um, and you have all the reasons because I don't want to be overweight because I, you know, I want to feel good about my body and I'll attract better things and I'll feel better about myself and all of these logical conscious reasons why you're not, you don't want to have that sugar, right? And then you go to the fridge once you go to the, the fifth time you go to the fridge, you know, maybe you have a little bite of that sugar. Right. And then you get a phone call and it's stressful. It's your boss, right? And your boss is yelling at you about something. You what do you do? Stress eating. You go after, yeah, you go eat the right. cup, all the cupcakes in the fridge. Why is that? And that's because your emotional driver to eat those cupcakes, whatever that emotional driver is, is way more powerful than all of your conscious, logical, Got willpower based thinking. So when the two are in opposition, your your subconscious wins every time. And that's why we fail at things, and that's why willpower is so hard, and that's why we get stuck in patterns. You know, I work with people on not I do I mean sex is where I specialize, but I work with people on everything, public speaking, fear of flying, because all of these things, if it's emotionally based, then it's God. then we can work on it. And they're all sort of you know, they're all linked That's so, together. It's so interesting. So what would you say if you were to um, generalize the most common sex-related uh, therapy that you uh, undergo with the, you know, the clients that you work with, what would be the most common one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Erections. That are like getting I'm, in touch with you about their erections. Yeah, I'm the erection. <laughs> I love it. That's so fascinating. Yeah, well, you know, the think about the Viagra industry. It is like a four hundred billion dollar industry in the United right. States. So, and seventy five percent of men will encounter erection issues at some time in their life. So that's a lot of people, and. <clears throat> Generally, now age, when it's age related, you know, we have our physiological reasons why we might struggle with an erection, but a majority of our issues, erection issues are emotional. They're Mm -hmm. anxiety based. So let's say, for example, you have, for whatever reason, you drank too much last night, you're hungover, you're a little stressed with work, whatever it is. And you have a problem getting it up one night, mm-hmm. okay? So then you might start to get a little bit of doubt in your mind, in the back of your mind. Uh-oh, uh-oh, um, maybe I'm. this is it. I'm getting older. I'm having issues, right? Well, something's wrong with me. Now, you might next time recover and have no problem, okay, because – you feel, you know, you, you haven't had a lot of other reasons to doubt yourself. But let's say the next time you have another little struggle and then it goes, uh-oh, now, now you've doubled that, that feedback loop. So now, because what happens is we have, we basically have a, a triangle and it's emotional. We, have, we, we can come into things emotionally. We can come into things 
physically, we can, like, if you have a, you know, a, if I'm a runner and I'm running and I start to feel the burn mm-hmm. in my legs, that physical sensation triggers, what does that trigger? That triggers um, a emotional, a, sure. a doubt, okay? And now the doubt, uh-oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it, right? Uh-oh, I don't feel good. That means I might not make it. And then that slows like you. Then you start to slow down. Right. And they all, they, they trigger, they trigger each other. So when you're having sex and you have that erection issue and then you get the doubt, then what does that doubt do? It makes it right, really hard for you to right, get an erection. So. Right. Now you're stuck in this loop, right? A self-defeating loop. And now you said, look, you validate yourself. Look, I can't get an erection. This is a problem. I have a problem. Now, the next time you have sex leading up to it, you're yeah. going to be nervous, right? God, I hope, I hope it works, right? But my penis works tonight. And now you're already filled with anxiety. And then what's going to happen? Yeah. You're you're going to struggle. This is something that is an emotional loop that you get men get a lot of men struggle with at one time or another. And so, but it's, but it's self-driven. You've created the anxiety response. You can uncreate it. And so, you know, we do hypnotherapy work to, to just break that loop. And um, we do it at the emotional level where it was created. We do it at the subconscious level where it was created. And um, it's really no different than orgasms or anything else. Another thing that's interesting about men is think about this. You know, one of the things that writes our subconscious patterns, one of the things that writes or rewrites mm-hmm. it is repetition. Okay, so um, when you are growing up and you first start masturbating and you're like a teenage boy, you, what do you do? Do you take lots of time and set the mood and edge and tease yourself? No, you try to get it done as quickly as possible so you don't get caught, right? (laughs) You do it in the bathroom real quick, you do it in the sink, you do it in whatever you do, right? (laughs) Right, so you've created this. You've created this new, um, this new connection, right? This is oh, this is masturbating, and this is what my body does when I masturbate. It, I, you train yourself. So now, when you start to actually have sex with other human beings, many men struggle, and they come very quickly because they they've actually trained themselves from those very early formative years to do sure. that. Make both, yeah. So. So we, there's so much work that can be done um, on, on all of these kind of physical responses because they're actually all driven through our emotional behavior and our subconscious behavior, our muscle memory, our, you know, the things we repeat to ourselves and our, and our emotional uh, drivers. And so it's a super That's powerful so process. And yeah. Men are my, 75% of my That's clients so, And so I'm very fascinated by that, especially since I, I would personally think, uh, which has no credibility at all, but I would personally think that men would be shy about talking to a female about their penis problems. I thought the same thing, and I have just been continually surprise part of it I think is an individual thing because I put so many videos out talking about things and I answer so many dms and I try to be as accepting and straightforward as I possibly can 
that I think people maybe just get to know me that way and then feel comfortable reaching out to me. Got it. Rather than I'm looking for a woman to talk to me about my penis problems. I'm sure that's not men's first, but there aren't that many people that specialize in this. And so I think that many people come to me just because I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of male hypnotherapists. I know there are, there are not many hypnotherapists, if any, who specialize in sexuality. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. So walk us through a, a typical session or a typical series of sessions to address these issues, like the technique and, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I do, I like to book uh, three sessions for anyone who comes to me. And that's not because it takes three sessions for things to work. I don't I mean, I'm using air quotes. You <laughs> can't them. see me. It's, <laughs> you can hear them. It's that um, I like everybody's mind. Look, any, look, anybody who can, anybody can be hypnotized. Absolutely. Anybody can be hypnotized. It is a natural process. It's a natural state of mind. I can go into more of that later, but everybody responds to different things in different ways. So I like to have three sessions because I, I attack things from three different angles. It's multi-pronged. So in the first session, we would talk more in depth about what you're going through and why you're coming to me. We would do what I call like an education process. So we're going to deep dive into your subconscious and how it works and relating to what you've been going through, the why. And then we're going to do a light hypnosis session. When I say light, I don't mean not effective. I mean it's more of the kind of hypnosis you're probably used to hearing. And you're going to get used to how it feels, focusing on your breath and listening to my voice and using, you know, Mm. all of those things relaxation you're gonna used to that process i'm gonna send you home with some homework some visualization homework and i'm gonna have you write some stuff for me you're gonna come back in the second session and we're gonna do something called transforming therapy which is what if you remember when i talked about the woman with the cat and that is probably not like anything you have ever seen in hypnosis before because you're probably used to the movies and TV where the hypnotist is this all-powerful person who tells you new mm-hmm. ideas. You will have a penis that works perfectly, right? Which is not what I do. And transforming therapy, you will be doing the emotional work. You are going to guide in a hip hypnotized state you're going to guide the process we're going to go through memories we're going to deal with your stuff whatever emerges and your subconscious will bring up what it wants to deal with and then in the third session we're going to do um, another session of direct suggestion using all the things that we've talked about we're going to use some of the visualizations that you wrote for me and we're just going to really wrap it up and it's a really powerful uh trifecta you know i i talk myself out of a job you know if you go to talk therapy you go for what years months years Mm -hmm. and i talk myself out of a job because my intent is to really efficiently and powerfully deal with what you come to that's fascinating that's fantastic so you can achieve your outcomes typically in three sessions I would put, and this is going to sound, I would put my outcomes up next to any form of talk therapy any Mm, day. Wow. Any day. 
And I would say that to absolutely anybody. And here's the, here's the thing. When you go to a therapist, okay, and you talk to a therapist, which I think therapy is wonderful. Part of, I, I'm not trying to say therapy isn't wonderful. If you remember when I said that repetition is one of the right. things mm -hmm. that, so when you hear positive messages, when you speak, when you hear your therapist and you get used to learning new techniques for behavior, that's repetition. That's going in, but it goes in much more slowly. Right. Because you're dealing in your conscious thinking or your analytical thought. Okay, so when you go to see a therapist and you're in talk therapy, when it when do you get the real work done? When do you? It's when you have a breakthrough, right? right? Oh my god, today I had a breakthrough. Well, when you have a breakthrough, it's usually what you're crying, right? Oh my god, I had this emotional breakthrough. I had this moment. Well, that's because when you are crying and having your breakthrough, you're sub you're in your subconscious mind. You're in your emotional mind. Your conscious mind is less prevalent, your subconscious mind is taking the wheel. It's your emotional yeah. mind. So that's actually when you get the work done. It's like self-hypnosis. That's when you're getting it done. So what we're doing is we're getting to that immediately. You're getting out of your own way. Um, you know, I don't want to get, I don't know if this is too um, sort of intangible, but here's, here's what we have. When we have our mind, imagine your mind is this big circle, mm -hmm. okay? And there's a line about a quarter of the way down through your dividing up this circle, mm -hmm. okay? And above that line is your conscious thought. And below it is your subconscious thought, your subconscious process. And your conscious mind, and then that line is something we call the critical factor, okay? And it's like a, a barrier, and it's like a filter. So when all this information is coming to you all the time in, in the life, and you're your filter, your critical factor is filtering what's important information and rejecting information, taking information in. So when you are, um, when you are dealing with something like an erection issue, for example, so you start taking in, you're trying to take in ideas to tell yourself, like, I'm going to handle this, right? I'm going to fix this. So let's say you watch a TED talk, okay, about, I don't know, sexuality, right? And you're like, those are really good ideas. But they're bouncing off that barrier right. and they're not getting into your emotional mind because you're in your own way. You're like, yeah, but uh, that doesn't apply to me. And yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm a tough situation. Yeah, but, you know, and you, you filter information, you reject it. What we do in hypnosis is we essentially put that critical factor to sleep and then new ideas come in. They can directly allowed in. When I, um, when you... Have you ever been driving somewhere? I know you're in New York, but I'm sure you've driven at some time. So when you're driving somewhere and maybe somewhere you've been before and you're in your own head, or maybe you're even on the subway and you're lost in thought and then you just like arise yes. and you don't remember, yep. that's basically you were hypnotized. Wow. You were, your subconscious mind was prevalent. You were in your subconscious, your warehouse of memories and emotions and things, and you're Muscle memory was taking you through this. And you were highly subconscious at that moment. Got it. And that's all we do in hypnosis is do that so that we can actually get out of our own way and do the work subconsciously. And so it's, you know, it's powerful. It's not woo-woo and it's not voodoo or mind control. You know, I'm a coach coaching you through a process and you're going to do the work. Got it.
that's crazy. And are you finding, and, and this might not be relevant in any, in, in any capacity, but are you, um, when you're coaching your clients, are, are you touching base with the LGBTQ community at all? Like, are you finding that you are helping that community as well? I am. I mean, I work with people who are non-binary. I work with people because it, you know, it's, it's even funny. Sometimes people come to me and, you know, everybody thinks they have a very unique problem. Sure. Or a very unique situation or unique sexuality. But the truth is when we're dealing with the subconscious, it doesn't really matter. Right. At all. Because it's your emotions, which are raw. And they are, they don't have a sexuality. They don't have a gender. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have, you know, and so... I work with everybody. I definitely have, I also have like a, a fairly robust kink community okay. that I work with and fetish community. And in that community, there are people who are, are, you know, identify and, and I, you know what, there's even people that are, who sort of have, have chosen to sort of feel asexual who, which, who I talk to. So, and I'm not here to, you know, Every once in a while, somebody comes to me and sort of wants to change their sexuality. Mm, okay. And, and that's, a, and that's, and I try to very, I, I try to take some time to speak to those people about, because, you know, you're not going to change, you're not going to change someone's sexuality, but they need help. They just don't need help with the thing they think they need help with. <laughs> they need help with understanding why they feel a rejection of their natural you know of of their own of the sexuality that they're driven towards mm -hmm. and why self-hatred and shame and and trying to but you know what i would like to do ideally is help them eliminate that you know but sometimes people want you that you know maybe religion or one thing or another they want to eliminate you know i'm attracted to men and i don't want to be can you help me and and that always breaks my heart that's crazy one of the other things uh we only have a um we only have a few minutes left over, but one of the other things I know that you um, do a really good job in your Instagram stories is recommending toys and things of that nature. <laughs> um, yeah. For our listeners yeah. right now, even for both females and males and everything in between, what uh, what recommendations do you have right now uh, regarding uh, sex toys that that you think everybody should check out? Well, one thing I want to say is that I think that men should get into sex toys agreed and explore and it's something that maybe some men are starting to get more comfortable with but it's definitely not been the way of the past sure. and sex toys have been all for women and i am all about encouraging men to try sex toys and also butt stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's not for everyone agreed <laughs> um, so you know um Let's see. So specifically, I think that um, for um, men who I think men should all try some kind of plug. And, um, you know, if you have never tried a butt plug and, you know, you just want to try a very even the smallest butt plug can add like an awesome sensation next time you're having sex or getting a blowjob or something. Mm -hmm. And um, so I always encourage people to do that. And then if they want to move up to one that vibrates or has like beads that move around inside, that's 
awesome. Um, there are some cool, I mean, I, for women, I think the magic wand and there's is like the most, I know it's the most classic toy, the giant like wand with the big round head on mm-hmm. it, but there's a reason it's been like the number one sex toy for women forever. <laughs> it's a beast. But it's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then there are some, there are some interesting ones. So I'm trying to think of the company. I, I don't know if you've seen on my Instagram, but I have a picture and it's like maybe even two years old now at, of, at the time, all of my sex toys out on the bed. I, I do remember that picture. Yes. Yes. Yeah, somewhere on my Instagram. So if you guys are listening and you find it, and I have probably doubled that, if not tripled it by now. So I need to do a new picture. And so I have so many and I'm trying to think of, um, there are also some cool Bluetooth ones that are fun to use with a partner. They have plugs and all sorts that you can use and you can control the vibration through a remote control or through your phone. Do you recommend that? A lot of people are really getting into those lately. And like, do you actually find those to be like fun? I think that I don't really use them very much because, you know, sometimes you, you know, your own body, but it's not always about that. It's not always about getting to the most amount of pleasure, the quickest and the most efficiently. Cause that's what we do when we masturbate, right? We know what we like and we get there as quickly. We get there in the best way possible, most efficient way possible. But right. sex is about more than that. It's also about being vulnerable, being a little uncomfortable, trying something new, letting somebody else. And it's just the, one thing I, I think that all couples should do with sex is like have sex lab, carve out time for sex lab or workshop, which is when you're going to try something with your partner and the goal is not orgasm. Right. Yeah. Because, and, and you can, and you can set a time limit. You could say, we're going to spend 35 minutes, 45 minutes, doing something and we're going to try something and it can be what you choose or what I choose. You know, if you were a woman and you were like, I don't, I don't know about the squirting thing, but I think I'd like to try to squirt. Right. So you do a little research and you carve out a time and you do some sex lab and you try it out and you might fumble around and it's not going to be about candlelight and sexy music. You're not going to be all, you know, your sexiest. You're trying things for the sake of trying it. And we all get stuck in this routine of like, either having sex just before we go to bed or whatever, just having sex in the most efficient way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we forget to just play around and really being conscious of carving out time to try new things. So in sex lab, if you just want to try it, it might not be the thing that blows your mind, but what matters is that you are bonding and getting closer through just play. Love that. I think that's great advice. I love that. Yep. That is great advice. So thank you so much for speaking with us about it. This is so fascinating. I kind of feel like I have like so many more questions, but uh, <laughs> it, yeah, because it's just so fascinating. Um, but tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, and if they decide that they want to, um, I don't know, reach out to you for, uh, some, uh, for some hypnotherapy, uh, how can they go about making that happen? Yeah, so my Instagram is where I do a lot of videos, and <clears throat> you can find all my links there. My Instagram is at Kate Sheeler, K A T E S H E 
L-O-R, Kate Sheeler. And you can also go to katesheeler.com, my website. You can check out lots of information there. You can book, you can watch some videos, you can email me, you can DM me. Um, and uh, and I'm and I'm here I'm here for questions and I'm super low pressure. If you call me, because you can also book a consultation call for me, which is what most people do. They book a a 25 minute call just to talk about and see if we're a good fit. And I can tell you right now, I am a zero pressure person. I will talk to you, tell me more about what I do, and hear from you. And then we get off the phone. <laughs> and then you have you can book if you want to. Um, and, um, so if you want to do that and just kind of hear, you know, you're like, I don't know if you can help me, but blah, 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 blah. That's what we'll do. And we talk about it and it's going to be in confidence. I don't talk to other people about it and I'm no pressure. I love that. Have you, so you and I have spoken about this a while back, but have you given any more thought to the idea of starting your own podcast? I definitely have. And a few people brought it up to me. I, I would love to, and it's something I'd like to talk to you more about. And um, my my partner, my boyfriend, is actually also a hypnotist, and he has a show on the Strip. He's been here for 13 years, wow. six nights a week at Planet Hollywood. He does a um, a hypno comedy hypnosis show, and he is also his name is Mark Savard, and M A R C S E V A R C. He has a show at Planet Hollywood. It's hilarious, and sort of an 18 plus, a little bit more adult show, but he has, he and I, you know, we work together, we develop our business together, and he also sees all the stuff on the strip and people's minds and the, the subconscious because he's up there hypnotizing people six nights a week. So we thought about doing something together as well, and maybe that'll happen. Yeah, I just, I literally think that you have like this, because I'm sure that you have topics for days and you would just be amazing it would just be really you just cool. have topics for days because i do have those or did you say topics for days <laughs> <laughs> topics for days to talk about for the podcast. <laughs> i have both i love it <laughs> awesome um oh thank you again so much for your time you've yeah, been amazing you. and we'll keep following up with you and again um if you guys want to uh interact with kate at all make sure you follow her on instagram again that's at kate sheeler and she will definitely um help you through your erection problems and everything in between or anything else let me tell you i have heard it all so i I love it i love it awesome we're gonna take a short break but we'll be back in just a bit bye hello Hello, listeners. listeners we are here to present a fun opportunity to you Do you know of a queer couple that you want us to feature on the show? If so, send an email to relationshipquestions at gmail.com or tag us on social media at podrelationship. Tony and I may feature this couple on one of our episodes. We want to thank you for joining us each week and for helping to make this podcast the success that it is. We are going to get back to the show, but we look forward to connecting with each and every one of you. And we look forward to highlighting more of these queer relationships that you love. Enjoy the rest of the show. Bye. Bye. Well, 
I guess that'll do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of this really important conversation, y'all. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod Relationship. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us. And tell all your friends. Yeehaw! Gobble, gobble. You can also <laughs> email us at relationshipquestions at gmail.com if you have any situations or comments that you'd like us to address here on the show. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> He's just going to keep doing that. And don't forget to check out our IGTV channel, Relationship Gobble Gobble, for a behind-the-scenes post-show conversation about this week's episode. Gobble Gobble. Tony and I will harass your ears next week. Gobble Gobble. And remember... Shit. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com.